eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers today are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. And a uh, uh, big, big thank you to both those guys for stepping up in what's pretty extraordinary times. Um, I am talking to you. The interest is going to be a little different today. I'm talking to you uh, on March 17th from Toronto. I'm in uh, self-quarantine after my family came back from the United States five days, six days, or whatever it is. <laughs> it's been a couple of days. Um, and so we are, um, we're, in, we're in self-quarantine here. I was following uh, what the Canadian government and health officials and the people I work with say to do. So I am sure I am not alone. And this kind of stuff, both in Canada and the United States, and uh, and we're in some pretty extraordinary times. My guests on this podcast, um, I uh, I wanted to do something that's at least sort of service oriented, and it's a conversation with Dr. Celine Gounder, who's a uh, practicing um, HIV infectious disease specialist and internist, and um, one of the really really smart people when it comes to COVID nineteen. She is currently working as a CNN analyst. And she also hosts the podcast Epidemic with Dr. Celine Gounder and Ronald Klein. Her husband, who has been on this program many times, is Grant Wall, one of the preeminent soccer writers in this country and a senior writer at Sports Illustrated and the host of Planet Football. And what you'll hear is sort of a conversation um, on what people should be doing right now, what uh, Celine's sort of confidence level is in flattening this curve, how all this stuff relates to sports. Uh, what it's like for Grant to be married uh, and living with an infectious disease doctor and how that just sort of impacts uh, his life and their life. So I think, um, and the Olympics as well, which Celine is very, very, um, you'll hear her opinion on this and sort of the recklessness of what the IOC has said so far. So this is a different podcast. It's not a traditional media podcast, but I wanted to do something that was a little more, um, I just thought sort of valuable for you guys as opposed to just doing a straight sports media podcast. So um, Dr. Celine Gounder and Grant Wall coming up on the sports media podcast. All right. As I said at the top, um, this is sort of, uh, this is going to be a different podcast given the conditions that we're in now. As I mentioned, I am in uh, self-quarantine in Toronto, having traveled to the United States last week and doing my best to practice um, social distancing and everything else. Um, Celine, and let's make sure that uh, I pronounce this right, Gounder. Am I correct on that, Celine? That's correct. Okay. As I said earlier, practicing infectious disease specialist, uh, an internist, and uh, uh, 
You know, I keep screwing up the uh, a PD, uh, uh, how do how do I pronounce E P I D E M I O L O G I S T? Epidemiologist. Epidemiologist. All right, I didn't want to screw it up first. So, epidemiologist, and she is currently working. I think as many people now in the country know as a CNN analyst on this. She's also the host of a podcast, Epidemic, with Dr. Celine Gounder and Ronald Klein. Um, that is one I highly recommend. Grant Wall, her husband, has been on this podcast a number of times. I used to host a podcast with Grant, as well as work for him for uh, more than a decade. He's a senior writer at Sports Illustrated and the host of Planet Football. Um, they were an interesting couple prior to this. They've become that much more interesting in um, in the era now of coronavirus. All right, Celine, I will start with you. And again, I know you uh, are, your time is very, very valuable, so I appreciate you popping on to this uh, you know very niche podcast. But what, what is the, as we, as we are taping this, Tuesday afternoon on March 17th, what is the most important thing people can do right now who would be listening to this? I think people need to believe this is real. Um, back when I was working as an Ebola aid worker in West Africa, there was a lot of controversy there as to whether Ebola was real. And we literally had campaigns telling people, yes, this is real. Yes, you need to take this seriously. And here in the U.S., we were saying, oh, these people are superstitious. They're stupid. They don't know what they're ta- we're, we're talking about. Um And unfortunately, we're in a very similar parallel situation here. So I would say this is very real. We are very concerned. Um, Rich, I'm going to read you a text message I got from a friend of mine last night. Who um, It's a young woman who I mentor. Uh, She's training in residency at one of the Boston hospitals. And she reached out. She says in her text message, sorry for the delay. Have been called in as backup for six hours. Sick and exposed residents. Yes, have seen all. Terrifying. Everyone here similarly enveloped in dread. Dozens already furloughed. Several floors out of hand sanitizer and gloves. And the hospital is running low on personal protective equipment. They're asking us to reuse it. And then she goes on. um, She says, uh, I asked her, I said, wow, are you okay? And she says, uh, yes, but I was exposed. I tested negative, but I'm a bit scared. And I asked her, how long ago were you exposed? She says, four days. Well, the average incubation is five to six days. So testing negative actually doesn't mean very much right now. Um, Here in New York, I know some of the hospitals have run out of the N95 respirator masks. Uh, Doctors and nurses are having to use those loose-fitting surgical masks, and that's not really the appropriate use. They should be using the respirator masks to protect themselves. Those surgical masks are to put on sick patients so that they don't transmit to other people. And I am profoundly um, concerned and really worried about my colleagues and our ability to meet the need um, and to do so safely. I think this is a very scary situation. And I just hope people can take this seriously because what we need to do is is reduce um, the impact this is going to have on the health system. I think already we're going to be overwhelmed, but people not taking this seriously means there's going to be that much more transmission in the community and hospitals are going to be that much. It's going to be that much more of a crisis that we're going to be facing. Yeah. the What really scares me, I mean, a lot of things sort of scare me, what scares me what but what I think scares me the most is uh, one the um, the potential for our medical people 
to be exposed to this. Um, and then two, and I think this is a real thing too, the sort of the, the mental stress on the same medical people, which is not often discussed about, but you're going to have doctors and nurses and, and public health people putting in endless, endless hours. So they're not going to get proper sleep. Their probably diet is not going to be great. And then they have a potential to, um, to contract this one more for you, Selena, and then I'll get to Grant. And that is, you know, I'm a little removed being in Toronto, but obviously I have access to all the uh, American news channels and I can certainly read uh, stories from different cities. It does seem at least anecdotally that in the last 24 to 48 hours as we are taping this, that far more people have actually uh, have started to take this this more seriously, if that's the right thing, certainly in the major cities that I've seen. That said, you and Grant, you're welcome to comment on this too, but you still see scenes, as I did yesterday, from Clearwater, where there are thousands and thousands of spring breakers out there, you know, partying away as if this is another day. So I realize you're in New York, Celine, and you can sort of only focus on what you can focus in New York. But have you gotten any kind of sense, even from maybe talking to people around the country, has the severity of this kicked in, or are we do we still need waves and waves of public education to convince people that this is real? It's not just the flu or a seasonal thing. I think in the big cities, um, most of them, it has people have have seen that this is real. I think in much of the rest of the country, this is not real yet. Um, you know, and, and I just want to add before I run, you know, to what I was saying earlier. I think what you need to understand about in terms of the mental stress on healthcare providers. Yeah. We're, we're, we're used to working long hours and tough conditions and caring for very sick people. What's going to be different about this is on top of that, we're going to be seeing our own people we work with every day are going to be the people we're caring for. So imagine having to do that for your family, for people close to you on top of everything else. I can't tell you like how, that that's what's going to be crushing about this on top of everything else. I can only imagine. Um, Grant, um, what, what is it like living with an infectious disease, disease doctor in the time of a pandemic? What, what is, what, what have you noticed about Celine? Um, and how do you, I mean, does it make you more hyper aware of everything that's going on? I imagine the answer to that is yes, but what, what other impact does it have on you? I mean, the best thing for me to say is I view my number one job right now is to support her in doing the things that she needs to do, which are really important for the public. Now, a lot of that has been her work on CNN, doing media work, getting out the word uh, on what people should be doing to combat this as a community. But I'm making sure I cook enough and that she eats. I'm making sure that she uh, sleeps, uh, just trying to do all the little things around where we live here in our apartment in New York so that she doesn't have to do them. Um, and I'm also trying to do my own job because, uh, I'm working from home. I'm lucky that I'm able to be able to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we could probably be getting more sleep, uh, most of these nights. Um, and, uh, you know, we're trying to keep, on top of things with our family. I have a, a father in his early 80s uh, in Southern Arizona who um, is, like I'm sure so many people out there uh, know or have you know family members who are in uh, really potentially dangerous age brackets for this. So 
um, because I have an infectious disease doctor wife, I'm able to sort of maybe be ahead of the curve a little bit. You know, this is day seven for me of home lockdown in New York. And um, I don't know if that many other people in New York have been on home lockdown that long, but it's something that she said, look, no, no more trips to the gym, no more restaurant visits. Uh, she ordered a rowing machine for me 10 days ago. And so I'm able to get exercise inside, but I do not leave our apartment. Haven't left our apartment except uh, for two trips to the grocery store. Grant, how has, um, how, how has being with Celine impacted your thinking on where you think sports and let's just even specify because of your expertise on where you think soccer, uh, will be in terms of the potential of starting again, whether you want to take it domestically or nationally. I mean, given who you live with, I think you'll probably, you would have a better realistic interpretation of this than, than, than many other people and certainly many other sports media people. Yeah. I mean, I, in terms of the Olympics, here's one example where I remember in the 2016 Olympics, we were concerned about Zika and Celine actually wrote a piece for sports illustrated beforehand saying, arguing that, the Olympics in 2016 should not have been postponed uh, because mosquitoes weren't going to be uh, that big of an issue. That was the right call, obviously. The Olympics went ahead and happened. But as recently as three, four weeks ago, or I mean as long ago as three or four weeks ago, Celine was telling me that she thought it would be very unlikely that the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo would happen. Uh, She could see where this was going. She saw what was happening in China and the spread to... Europe and uh, everything that's kind of happened since then has sort of followed that. Um, so, you know, am I happy that she was ahead of the curve on knowing this stuff? I don't know if happy is the right word, but I mean, like, she at least kind of she she knew this was likely to be coming, and, and that this is going to be a long term situation here that we're going to have to assess maybe every two weeks just to see how long we're going to have to keep up the social distancing stuff and how long, among other things, sports leagues are going to have to uh, be postponed or major events uh, in soccer. Uh, we just found out today that Euro 2020 and the Copa America this summer were being postponed for a year. Uh, I think it's very likely the Olympics will do something similar. Um, and so, um, uh, Listen to your public health experts is all I would say to to anyone who's running sports leagues. And I think, you know, for the most part, most sports leagues have listened to that. Celine, what is your assessment of um, the IOC saying, um, at least as we're taping this, that they do not want to make any drastic pronouncements about um, moving or canceling the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo? I think it is reckless to hold an Olympics in Tokyo at that point in time. I think... Um, it's uh it's completely unrealistic um and i think i mean i'm not a business person so i don't i you know i can't speak to the financial costs of what that would mean to delay or um you know postpone or cancel but um from a public health perspective the idea of people coming from all over the world mixing together i mean i have some understanding of what the olympic villages are like that alone you know even without spectators um, is, is really, it's an incubation. Um, it's an incubator for renewed transmission. Even if we're in a better position by then, I think that's a really bad idea. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, a couple more here, and, uh, and then I'll let you guys go. I know, Celine, your your, uh, your time on all these days is very valuable. What is your um, what is your confidence level right now, Celine, in flattening this curve? And when would an honest or realistic assessment be of the curve flattening if major cities and, and smaller cities around the country take social distancing and um, not gathering with more than 50, more than 10 people uh, at a time. If, we t- if, we, if most of the population, I realize that might not happen, but if most of the population takes this stuff seriously, what is, what is something realistic in terms of when this curve could start to flatten? Uh, it's going to take weeks. We're still in the exponential phase of this. So even if the measures are working in, say, two weeks, I would anticipate numbers are still going to be going up. Um, if you go back and look at data from the 1918 Spanish flu, um, and you look at different parts of the country that did this and that didn't do this. And remember, we were much less urban. We were much less connected at that point. So it was more possible to be, you know, your own community, somewhat independent of other places, um, relatively speaking. And there it took basically eight weeks of very, rigorous um, social distancing measures to um, really curb transmission. And then when you lifted them, many places had a a second wave of cases um, that then required reinstituting some of those measures for a period of time again. So I think that's probably what we're looking at. I think um, Fauci, Dr. Fauci has intimated that as well. I think it's hard for people to perhaps um, take all of that in at once. And so I think that's part of the reason for saying, look, you know, we're going to have to reevaluate and we have to reevaluate no matter what. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, all the talking. Um, We have to reevaluate no matter what, because what we may be doing now may not even be enough. So we, it's, it's not just about, Oh, can we lift um, our measures in two weeks, it's, do we need to clamp down even more? Um, and I think unfortunately truly flattening the curve the way other countries have done. Um, I don't know that we can even do what South Korea has done, um, which was pretty amazing. Um, I think the real question is, you know, how much are we going to be worse than Italy or are we on par to be Italy? And, um, I think realistically, that's that's what we're facing now. Wow. All right. Last one, and we'll start with Grant, and then we'll end with Celine because your you'll, your sort of perspectives will be different on this. Grant, um, it's my thought that this will sort of profoundly change sports forever. Even if we go back to, you know, for lack of a better word, normalcy, um, I think people for a long time are going to think a little bit about: Do I go to games? Do I go to? Um, do I sit in crowds with this many people? Um, if you're an athlete, what kind of contact do I have with people in terms of handshaking and hugging and everything else? I just think that it, 
it has to psychologically, even if we get back to a little bit of a normalcy, it has to impact all this. Um, I know I'm asking an impossible question here, but you know, what do you foresee in, in this whole idea of how sports may fundamentally change, um, you know, once, once, once this pet knock on wood, once this passes? Yeah, it's a great question. And I've always thought it's good to say, I don't know if I don't have an answer. I just don't know. And, um, part of me thinks that after going a long period without having sports, that we'll find a great amount of joy whenever we do have it again. Um, and, and hopefully use this experience, however long it takes to think about what's really important and how we need to be better prepared for global pandemics, uh, as a society, not really in a sports context. Um, but you know, also to, to take this stuff seriously and, um, you know, and, and make sure our, our leaders are prepared, make sure they're accountable, make sure that, um, all of us look at this as trying to do what's best for our community. You know, this is a really divided country and I hope we, we can come together and, and, uh, and fight this because that's the only way that we'll, minimize the damage, which already looks like it's going to be extremely extensive and, um, and take a lot of lives. Celine, are we, do you think, are we ever going to, I mean, is the new normal basically maybe approaching sports in a different way, particularly in, in big crowds, or is it realistic to think two or three years from now that people will go to a baseball game or a football game with 50,000 people and, and it will, it will be the same as it was, uh, two years ago, three years ago. I do think it would actually be a good thing if this led us to reconsider how we do certain things. Not necessarily sports, though. Um, you know, I think it should be something we... Sh I think we should consider whether we should be working maybe more from home more. If you look at the impact on transportation and pollution, it, you know, you can have a real impact on that kind of thing. And it's actually very good for working families to have those kinds of flex... Fle sorry those kinds of flexible working options. So I think that's really important. I think also how we deliver medicine. Can we do more of that remotely? Can we loosen up some of the nonsensical state to state restrictions, just nationalize, you know, how we regulate medical licensing and, and things around that so that this is more feasible to do. Um, I think those are important things. I do think the new normal is that for a whole host of reasons, some of it is, globalization, some of it is climate change and impacts on the environment. I, we, we know this, we've already seen it over the last few decades, pandemics, epidemics are occurring more and more frequently. Um, that is going to continue be, to be the case. And unfortunately, we still haven't seemed to learn our, haven't seemed to have learned our lessons from the last two experiences, um, you know, namely, I should say three experiences with uh, Zika and Ebola and H1N1 flu. And really, those should have been warnings as to how we should be better prepared. This is not a situation where you do a one-time injection of funding, you address the issue, and then you defund. This is something, it would be like saying, okay, we have no military, 9-11 happens, now let's build up a military for a year or two and then get rid of the military. I mean, that's been the approach. And that is a completely nonsensical, ineffective way to be dealing with these issues. Yeah, that's really well said. Uh, Dr. Celine Gounder is a practicing infectious disease 
uh, specialist. She is currently working um, as in many has many jobs. In fact, as a, is a CNN on air analyst right now. She also hosts the podcast Epidemic with Dr. Celine Gounder and Ronald Klain. Um, find that on iTunes. I think it's probably one of the most listened to medical podcasts in the world right now. Uh, she was joined by someone I know for a long time, uh, a colleague who I respect tremendously, Grant Wall, senior writer at Sports Illustrated and the host of Planet Football. Um, they are married and they are uh, living pretty interesting lives. I cannot think, uh, thank you guys enough. Uh, Grant, please make sure Celine gets rest and sleep. We really need her to be on her game uh, over the next uh, couple of months. Quite frankly, if you're not on your game, Grant, I don't care, but I need Celine to be Absolutely on her game for all of us. Um, I can't thank you enough. I'm thinking about both you guys and wishing you uh, nothing but the best of health uh, heading forward. Thanks so much today for joining me on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, back um, after talking with um, Celine and Grant, and I cannot thank them enough for their time. It's uh, a very, very busy time for Celine, uh, as you can imagine. Um, head to the archives if you're interested in sports media conversations. Uh, the last podcast we did. Prior to this was with John O'Rand on Tony Romo and that breaking the bank contract and all the impact of, uh, of that. Um, and then just go down the list of, uh, of our interviews. We did Tiffany Green and Megan McPeak, who are two pioneers, uh, two women of color in broadcasting, both play-by-play, which sort of makes them uh, incredibly unique in the business. Jamie Little and Shannon Spake on covering the Daytona 500, covering Kobe Bryant with Howard Beck and Tim Kawakami. And uh, back in January, where the world uh, it's a lot different, um, we did the producer and director of the Super Bowl, basically how you, one produces and directs the Super Bowl. So head to the uh, Richard Deitch, uh, the Sports Media with Richard Deitch page, leave us a review, five-star review, and uh, it helps keep this podcast around. Again, my thanks uh, to Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry for stepping up huge on this one. Thanks to everybody at Cage 13. I hope they're safe. Chris Corker and Spencer Brown. Uh, John McDermott. We will see you again very soon on the Sports Media Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.